to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the NBC Sports King's Insider Podcast. I am James Ham, and joining me on the front half of the podcast is... The one, the only, Dave Yeager, head coach of the Sacramento Kings. This is the first time we've had you on the podcast. Man, sitting here with you, I almost feel like a co-host. But I, I know i got a long ways to go before I get to that level. A co-host. I have a co-host, uh, a new co-host starting in the second half of the podcast that people are going to be excited about. Awesome. Uh, awesome. And we're up in uh, Coach Yeager's office. You've got, these are nice swivel chairs. I like this. <laughs> this Thank is, you. This is good stuff. You've got good furniture, man. Well, you know, when you call a guy in your office and, you know, he thinks it's always the principal office call, you know, and come in with your head and like, nah, you try to leave the door open and keep it comfortable for guys and try to just make them feel at home as possible. Okay, so you've had, I don't even know how to describe this roster. You have 10 players uh, that have two years of experience or less. You take out Willie Cauley-Stein, you take out Buddy Hield, you're at like 77 games of experience with eight players. How do you even begin to coach a roster like that? Where do you even start? Well, I think uh, it starts with the passion of coaching. And, uh, you know, Coach Popovich and I were talking about this before the game the other night. And because and, uh, you get you get asked that question. And I, I think what's fun about coaching is whatever you are is what you try to bring out the best of your team. And so if you're – I'm coaching my eighth grade daughter's team last year, whatever. Um, I'm excited about it, and I'm excited about seeing them learn. And, and if your job is to try to help a team that is a thought to be a 50-51 win team to get to 54, to get a, a higher seed, then that's your challenge. And so then you you get in, into splitting hairs of what you're doing exactly, exactly. And in this, this situation, the challenge is to uncomplicate it, start at zero, build it, brick by brick and uh, and do it well and, and have fun doing it so that they want to come back the next day. Uh, and so uh, that's what we've been trying to do, and we've been looking uh, long-term, big picture. Uh, you know, certainly we hold guys accountable and get after them every single day, but there's a real nice spirit here. Uh, guys want to get better, and they, they're soaking it up. When you were in Memphis, you guys won 50 games every year. I mean, so you didn't have this issue of – 19-year-old kids coming in the door that are going to actually play rotational minutes. Now you're here. How has that been different for you, that challenge of taking on, uh, really, it's five rookies uh, and four rookies from last year, but the young crowd that you know you're going to have to rely on at some point during the season? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, when you have an older team, you know, younger guys generally don't beat older teams, and, and so younger guys generally struggle to break in uh, to an established team, or you maybe you'll get one uh, here or there that'll that'll find his way into your rotation. But um, so when you have this many young guys, an older team makes a mistake, and you you get after a guy, and you're like, "Come on, man, you know better." Well, <laughs> with a younger team, sometimes they don't know better; they haven't been taught uh, some higher level things, and so you gotta like take let the air out of your lungs when you're all swelled up, and you want to go just roar on a guy, and like, okay, hey, you know what? Look in more of a teaching manner. This is what we're looking for. It's not life or death to get the eighth seed or not, or get the fourth seed, not the fifth seed, or whatever. Uh, that mindset of just trying to get better every day. Now you've got so many young players. How have you sort of parceled them out? Have you given the bigs to to Big Bob Thornton? Have you split them up into groups? How how do you break it down each and every day? We have them split into different kind of categories as far as. Uh, some will be with uh, coaches for certain things, and some will be in, in with a group, and then they will be with a different group. So sometimes you're positional. Um, sometimes you are uh, with uh, might be all young guys, and, and, and what are we trying to do here? It might be with a coach and make sure that one veteran is in that teaching uh, group or cluster um, so that the, that that player can also kind of – it's almost like another assistant coach. And, uh, you know, 
we've got a good group of guys that are interested in mentoring, but they competing is the number one thing for them. I think we get a, give them a lot of credit, as they should, of the leadership that they have to provide for the young guys, the patience uh, and the mentoring that they are providing. But at the end of the day, you know, they want to go compete. And, uh, you know, a guy grabbed me this morning and goes, hey, you know, our, our roster kind of needs this, this, and this. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it was an older guy, and they want to compete. You know, they want to they want to make a, a run at the playoffs, and you understand that too. But you know, you got to understand where we are. And uh, but at the end of the day, guys are always competitors. You talked about Greg Popovich about talking to him on on Monday night when you guys took on San Antonio Spurs. Have you reached out to other coaches and said, "Hey, how have you approached a situation similar to this?" Because this is new for you. I mean, it, you haven't been in this particular situation where you're taking on such a young and inexperienced team. Yeah, I think it's it's a good question. Um, I think you know some of the best coaches in our country are are the high school and college level because they will adjust. Um, and I thought there were some good coaches in the minor leagues. You coach what you have, right? And so. If you are a coach who says, I can only coach this way, and you get a, a team that's built differently, you're in trouble. And uh, so, I, you know, I think the college coaches and the high school coaches, and the college coaches can recruit, and they, there are accusations of certainly high school guys recruiting. But by and large, you know, you, you try to get the best players you can and whatever players are in your program, and so that's how you try to coach. And so, long story short, I uh, try to reach out to a lot of those guys about, look, i got to really break it down each drill that I do can't just be, you know, we're just working on one thing. We're trying to give them, you know, the fundamentals and then what is the next layer. And I want to go slow. Uh, and, and some of those guys are some of the best teachers in our country. So uh, that's kind of who, who I reached out to this summer. Do you think it's uh, – I know you're going to run an up-tempo offense because you have some incredible young speedsters on this team. Um, but everyone's like, ah, you're the grit and grind guy. Is it strange to you how, you know, you've got – three years as a head coach in Memphis, but you've got 20 years as a, as a coach somewhere. You know a lot about basketball, not just, you know, the standard offense that you ran in Memphis, but now you're changing gears. Is it strange that you get pigeonholed as the grit and grind guy and that, and now you're going to be running and gunning? I mean, what will you be known as, you know, two, three years from now? Yeah, it, it's always funny because, you know, 99% of the stuff doesn't get out, you know, and so because media, they don't get to watch every practice every day. They just get, you know, definitely scripted segments that we allow the media to see every day, you know. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I inherited a team that, you know, Lionel Hollins really helped form and build, and I was a part of the staff for that. And, you know, throughout that process, we got to a point where we really needed to emphasize on the defensive end of the floor, and, and I kind of shifted over to the defensive side. And, well, I didn't get us from 24th-ranked defensive team to 9 and then to 7 and to 2. I mean, you know what I mean? But then I got the reputation of, oh, my gosh, he's a defensive guy. Yeah. Right? And it was it was a three- or four-year window. I've always looked at myself more as an offensive guy, right? But I'm not going to dis- not gonna poo-poo that out publicly, <laughs> like, hey, if that's what you think. No. You know, and, and so your point is, you know, basketball coaches are basketball coaches. And whether it's a point guard who's trying to talk to bigs, he can do that because as a coach – He's a basketball coach, and vice versa. Big guys coaching small guys because they're 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 basketball coaches, offensive coaches, defensive coaches, kinds of things like that. So, uh, I'm excited. You know, a, a lot of the years in the minor leagues, uh, you're going to play with a smaller power forward. You know, and in a true center, you're in the in the minor leagues. You're perhaps better off playing a six eight guy who's a skilled guy. You know, and and so the court is more open, and it's a, it's a guards game, and it's an up-and-down-the-floor uh, game, and our, our league is opening up, and the floor is opening up. Uh, scores went up last year. I think you'll see them go up again this year as teams are playing more um, twos, threes, and fours that are all the same size. Then the switching becomes a bigger deal. There's a lot more switching, so then the offense has to adjust, and it, it's like a volleyball going back and forth over the net when the, the offense does something, then the defenses have to catch up, and then the defenses do something, the offenses have to catch up. So we do hope to play up and down the floor and open up the court as much as possible. How much do you talk about uh, to the young players about how, you know, we're building your body, we're starting today, but, you know, really, you know, five years from now or three years from now, we want you to be, you know, this weight or we want you to have this type of skill. I, the reason I ask is uh, I, you'll get a kick out of this. I, Mark Gasol posted a picture of himself today. And uh, and he looks like this now. Wow, doesn't even look photoshopped. That's my guy. That's my guy. He looks great. That's your guy. But when he came into the league, he was a a big squishy body, right? He's a guy who came into the league and needed a lot of body work. He was kind of a, a lumbering guy. But 
you talk to your players about how every day, you know, there's there's a plan, and you're gonna, you know, the real you that we're looking for is, you know, a couple of years down the road, and that's not just game wise, but also physically. Yeah, so there's times where it goes back and forth on that because you want to make sure you're as competitive as possible. Everything does matter, and, and competition drives uh, guys to be better. And so every day you want to push them as hard as they can, and they want to be pushed, and they want to compete uh, for the next drill, the next game that we're playing in practice, or the next game that we're playing as a game. And then there's times where if they, you know, if their head goes down a little bit, then you try to like pick them up. And go, hey, look, you know, we're long term, long term. Keep thinking about, you know, adding skills. That's what we're working on on a daily basis. You're probably not going to work, you know, go out there and show uh, us your fadeaway jumper because I probably won't let you in games. But you're working on the side because if you keep doing that a year from now, just to say, just picking a skill, um, then you add that to the to your game, and then you are displaying that in the games because you're much more comfortable with that. And that's just an example. Uh, there's times where we want to be very competitive and and teach and learn out of that, but also keeping the big picture in mind. So you go back and forth. You talk about the big picture. You just got the fourth year of your contract picked up, uh, and Lottie also got extended. You guys are, you know, you're together. You're here uh, through at least the 2019 season, hopefully much longer than that. How much does that help not only the way that you coach a game, but also the the group of players that you have that are all young and they know that you're the guy who's going to take them from now and bring them into next season, the season after. Yeah, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a secure feeling as far as a, as a player goes because they, you know, have come through college one year, two years, or whatever, and all the high school, and they, you know, they see the coaches coming and going, and you can get the belief that, man, is this really going to be the guy who's going to be here? And so I think deep down you get a little bit more reflective about this is the guy we're going to go through this together and, and I, I can allow and open myself up and be uh, more vulnerable to different things with any kind of teaching because I know this guy is going to be there uh, for a couple of years. And so uh, from that standpoint, that's positive. And for me, as far as the way that I approach going to work every day, uh, there's a little bit less uh, stress as far as uh, making sure Darn it, this guy, if he doesn't get this skill mastered by, you know, the end of the week or, you know, by the end of the month or whatever, you know, we're going to lose X number of games. And and then you start pushing dudes to where they don't need to be too fast. And uh, it should be organic, but supported and, and pushed and prodded in the right way from the coaching staff. And uh, that's what we'll do. Are you looking forward to putting some of these young players in uncomfortable situations, situations that maybe they were in in college, but, you know, a normal rookie isn't going to, get to go in with four minutes left in a, in a four-point ball game and you're going to go out and say, you know what, I, I want to see what you can do in this situation. Yes, uh, you know, as we always want it to be uh, earned. And if they earn that right, um, then I think that's, that's a pretty cool deal because they're going to be better for it a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. I, I always use the example of, you know, can you throw the ball in with three seconds left and you have one timeout in your pocket and not – poop your pants, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You, can you know the play? Can you get it around the guy who's guarding you? Can you get it to where it's supposed to go? Everybody's on their uh, on their feet, 20 million people watching on, on TV. That's hard, man. That is that is hard. And so you see guys that have been in the league that mess up doing who've been in the league eight or ten years. And so you're going to, I don't know, a guy like that, Justin Jackson, hopefully he he's learns at a much quicker rate because he does get to be in those situations or – you know, De'Aaron's going to be able to make a lot of plays for us and to put him in situations end of game. In a way, that's always easy to go to. But the little stuff throughout the course of a game, when do you go to try to get a two possessions out of the last 30-some seconds? What are you looking for? What's a, what's a good play? What's a bad play? Uh, those kinds of things that you get repetition at, and all of a sudden you're 21 and you have done it X number of times where maybe in a different situation you wouldn't have. So De'Aaron, everyone's so incredibly excited to see him play lots of minutes. He comes out, he has a you know seven of eight from the field. He scores 16 points. He even sort of builds the hype with him even more in that first game. But you're going to rein these guys in, and your expectations are different, and you want to buffer some of these expectations for people too, right? Because you want to allow De'Aaron Fox to grow into a role. Right now he can probably score at any moment. But you need him to be more than just that. You need him to be a leader. You need him to be a, a guy who gets other people involved and plays defense 100% of the time. How do you sort of bring him along knowing that all of these things are, you know, the hype, the expectations that he's putting on himself and the, 
social media and news and everyone's putting on him. How do you how do you buffer that? We just try to support him. I think you know when when guys are are doing well, that's when you can push them to to be even better and and to get to another level. And when they're going to take their hits, and it doesn't seem like you can make a shot for two weeks or. You know, you ran down the West Coast and you saw Curry one night and Damian Lillard the next night. And, you know, Chris Paul was at the Clippers and I was at Houston. But then all of a sudden you start seeing these guys five games out of six and, and you go, oh, my gosh, I got who coming up again? I just like, this is like, the, you know, death row. So uh, you just try to give them the support in that because they try to be at level as possible because it is such a marathon of a season. Um, and 48, game, 48 minutes is a long game. So you try to, you know, it's not a sprint. And if you go out there and you blow it out too quick in a week or, you know, you got to just be even keeled as much as possible. On the reverse side, you guys have had Harry Giles in here most of the summer working on him. Uh, everyone knows his injury history by this point. But it seems like you guys are, are using the ultra, ultra cautious approach with him. How much did him missing two years of game action as a high school player uh, play into that? How much, you know, are you guys just being cautious because of the injuries? Um, and do you guys have a, a full-fledged plan for him this season and going forward? Yeah, that's a, you know, it's a plan that uh, it, it started, you know, over the summer of bringing him along slowly and, and the, with the medical staff. And, uh, you know, our staff is terrific. And, and with his history, what he's been through and, and what we're able to do. And uh, I think, you know, everybody wants to go as fast as they can. But uh, when you look at the the longer scope of his career and uh, as a valuable asset of our organization, you know, what's best uh, for 10 years than, uh, than what's best for six months. And I think that, you know, it far outweighs the, uh, the long-term view outweighs the short term. You look at a game, I assume in blocks, right? A 10 game block or a 20 game block, every coach is different how they look at the season that's coming up. Um, but your blocks look like they may change dramatically from the first quarter of the season, the second quarter of the season, the third. I mean, is are you ready for the evolving roster that you have and to see players come up and down and sort of the highs and lows that young players have? Yeah, I think, you know, it'll be very difficult to manage uh, from a head coaching point of view uh, between, um, you know, we don't have really a lot of middle-aged, quote-unquote, guys, guys that have been in the, in the NBA between five and eight years. Uh, we have no fourth-year guys even. So, um how you manage that from a night to night for a week to week is just, I think you just go into it and you try to communicate with players uh, as best you can, guys who are not in the rotation to keep doing their work, guys who are in the rotation. Then there's going to be points in the season too where uh, you might be healthy and you might be a rotation guy and I might grab you and go, hey, you know what, I'm going to go in a different direction here and, and uh, you know, for a game or for two weeks, you know, stay ready, uh, got to look at this guy, want to look at this combination of guys. and. Uh, it is going to be a kind of a season of obviously a lot of teaching and learning, but also for us as an organization to evaluate our, our, our own players. Okay, I know you got to get on a plane to get to San Antonio. I don't want to keep you all day, but I do want to ask you about your coaching clinic that's coming up. You, uh, you know, part of the Dave Yeager Foundation, you sponsor these coaching clinics and, and you try to bring all of the local coaches and anybody who wants to come in. What is it that you look for in those things? What are you trying to build and Sort of explain what you your sort of point of view is with these coaching clinics. Well, I, I appreciate you, you bringing it up. Yeah, it's a good opportunity for us. Uh, we're going to do it again. Uh, have a coaching clinic here in the practice facility on uh, October 28th, and uh, everybody can go on the Kings website and uh, register and find out more information. But you know, the idea is, you know, for our foundation is to support youth and and give them opportunities. Uh, to experience things that they might not otherwise have because of, uh, of their situation. So, you know, I'm big into agriculture, you know, being a country guy from Minnesota and, uh, you know, getting kids out to see, you know, there's a, there's a cutting or jumping event here horse wise, uh, this weekend that we're sponsoring some kids to go to, or taking kids out to, uh, farms here locally, uh, whether they be, uh, beef cattle, dairy cattle or vegetables and, and learning about some, and all we're trying to do is, is give kids a, a hope or a view or a, just a spark of, you know what, that interests me. I'm going to shoot for that. And things might not be great at where I live or the situation that I'm in, but something that they can grab onto to rise up and rise out of. And, and then we, you know, try to work with different mentoring places and stuff like that. And so, you know, uh, different people put on golf tournaments and different people do dinners and fundraisers and stuff like that. So, uh, the coaching clinic is that vehicle as far as uh, raising some funds, but at the same time, 
it's even more valuable in the fact that I get to meet more and more local people, more local coaches, and uh, to continue networking here locally because, you know, there's a lot of talk around our country about all this stuff and all this stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, to me, it's about action and what can we do here in our in our own community. And it says Sacramento Kings, and nothing you know, I've seen is, is, is comparable to the Kings are Sacramento, and Sacramento is the Kings, and how do we how do we make it better? And so it serves uh, two purposes in, in that, and uh, it's just been the, the one we did in April was fantastic, and uh, we're expecting a great turnout. And, and lastly, if I could, you know, everybody who registers for that is you know, part of the clinic is that they're going to get to watch us practice live, a regular season practice uh, for an hour and a half, and I think that uh, is really valuable. Yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. So. Uh, thanks for joining us. This is the first time. Hopefully, it's not the last time. I, I, I did t keep you forever, but uh, hopefully, this isn't the last time you drop by. I will be happy to. And, you know, I was hoping to get that co-host position, and uh, obviously, I didn't get it, <laughs> but maybe you'll have me on again. That's right. Maybe uh, maybe we'll do a car cast with Coach Yeager one of these times. We'll drive somewhere and, and chat in the car. There All you right. go. <laughs> thanks for joining me. Thank you. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Big special thank you to Dave Yeager for joining us on the front side of the podcast. And now it's car cast time, Doug. Yay, yay! Car cast! We are stuck in traffic in the San Francisco area, coming back from the NBC Sports uh, or the Kings season preview show with Jim Cosmore. Yes, sir. Went absolutely well. I think the fans will love it. Uh, one take. That's we're we're team one take, right? Uh, yeah, that's what it was. One take wonders. Um, yeah, you know, when it comes to the Kings, you're supposed to know your business, and they made it easy because uh, I, I will tell you, first preseason game, I dug it, man, I dug it. Uh, Doug is all on board, and you know what else Doug is on board with? Doug is on board with being my new official Kings Insider podcast partner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The Doug Christie uh, Weekly with myself. Uh, we're going to have a great season of Kings Insider Podcast. We've been waiting for this moment. We've worked out technical difficulties, and uh, we're moving forward. Doug, this is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. We've, we've done some different things. Hopefully we can bring a lot of different things to the fans this year. I think that we have some ideas of some things. Obviously, the car cast is a great one because we can sit in the car, we can ride, take them on the journey with us. But uh, maybe we might add some videos, some different things to it, Ham. Let's, let's see what we can do for Look the fans. Doug's getting all tricky up yeah, in here. Yeah, baby. I like it. I like it. All right, so we're going to go back to our weekly Friday show. Uh, it's just, again, working out details, getting everything rolling to start this season. Um, but it's going to be a very, very fun season of Sacramento Kings basketball. Uh, Doug, again, we, you touched base on it there for a second. Um, but the, uh, the opener, the preseason opener on Monday night against the San Antonio Spurs, I think the Kings gave fans a taste, a taste of – the what we're going to see with veterans and a taste of what the young kids might be able to provide um, some real exciting stuff you know what I, I think the the word I would use is possibilities there are a lot of them when you talk about what coach Jager has at his disposal there are so many different things he started a starting five that was full of veterans so that's one way you could go they were like uh, the team AARP yes <laughs> that's cold-blooded man they are not that old well Vince uh, he, he's getting he's getting a little older but man he can still <laughs> jump he can still shoot I brought Vince in as a rookie in Toronto so know him well um, but when you when you think about it, you can start veterans, you can go young, you can start a couple of veterans, and then bring some off the bench if you want that veteran leadership in the second unit. There are so many different ways, and I, I think Coach Yeager has to be chomping at the bit to get after it. I, I would I'm be interested to find out, I mean, in his mind, do you even know who you're going to start? Because there is so much competition to be had in this training camp uh, and, and in this preseason camp. He's already getting that question, like, hey, who are your starters going to be? And it's like, he's got some time here. Uh, there's not a lot. Five games and eight nights, which is really strange for preseason. Um, but, you know, the season got pushed up 10, game, 10 days this season, um, so this year. And, and you're looking at, you know, what, an October 14th, October 15th, whatever, the Houston Rockets game at home. Um, but Jaeger has to be almost 
I don't even know what to, he has to like. He should have taught like a speed reading course before, so he could like give his playbook and hey, I need this chapters one through eight by uh, week one. I need chapters nine through fifteen uh, by the first preseason game. I mean, it's absolutely nuts trying to condense this much information with this many new players and this many young players in such a short training camp. You know, Ham, the the second part of what you said I think is the most important. You're trying to get all of this information, but you're trying to give it to young players. You look at a De'Aaron Fox, 19 years old. You Even Papianis, who's been, uh, was a rookie last year, still 19, 20 years old. So many young players, Frank Mason, young, but he, you know, he went to school for four years. But at the same time, when you come to the NBA, I don't care if you were uh, a one-and-done or you, or you went for four years, there are so many different things that you need to learn on top of the fact that there's a fundamental base of fundamentals that you need to teach at this level, uh, especially the way the Kings are trying to play. You know, they got the high post. You're trying to throw the ball to the big guys. The big guys reverse pivots, back cuts, setting picks, getting guys open. Uh, you know, Coach Yeager is going to have his hands full all year long, but if there's any guy that, in, in my opinion, that can handle this because he's he's uh, brought young players, Conley, Gasol, he's brought them along before this is another opportunity for him to show uh his coaching chops you know doug what was your experience like coming into the league it was unconventional because you had some holdout stuff yep uh but you just kind of entered like stage left right in the middle of the season right yes i did uh it was about 50 some games so there wasn't really any time to get a base of a, a training camp my my second year was my first training camp and understand you know little terminology and a lot of different things. I went from a, a college offense that was high post UCLA based into uh, back then uh, it, it was very play based. The coach kind of micromanaged called every play as opposed to kind of letting it out and just running up and down the floor. So um, there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration on top of that learning defenses, terminologies, uh, blitzing, bluing, going under, uh, you know, weak side defense at the nail on the eye there are so many different things to learn and it, it just hits you all at once on top of the fact that you're looking across and you're like whoa that's James Worthy wow that is Michael Jordan there are so many different things it was an eye-opening experience and it, it took me a little while to gain my traction you know usually we're giving you updates on where we're at the whole time but I feel like uh, oh I I, I don't want to be mean, Doug, but I feel like Michael Douglas and you're Carl Malden and we're doing the, <laughs> the streets of San Francisco. Uh, it's nuts. We're, we're stuck in traffic. We've been trying. We're almost to Essex where we're getting on the freeway, um, but uh, it's taken us so long to get on the Bay Bridge. It, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, sorry if I gave you the Carl Malden name tag. Yeah, it's, a, it's all good. He's a movie star. What do you want? He, he was a very, very good character actor. Uh, well, I have, uh, I've been known to be a character actor. Not so much. <laughs> all right. So uh, you and I, we have a little bit of a difference of opinion on uh, who we think the most important uh, Sacramento, the, the most important ad addition to this team was. Mm -hmm. um, you say De'Aaron Fox. I say George Hill. Uh, why De'Aaron Fox? Well, you know what? There's a... When you lose a star like DeMarcus Cousins, there is a bit of excitement when I look at De'Aaron Fox. I think the upside is absolutely tremendous. He has something that is elite, and that is speed. And he has elite speed against elite athletes, which puts him in a whole nother spectrum. And uh, when I look at him, I, I think that his upside is absolutely tremendous, Ham. He, uh, the ability to shoot the ball, I think, is something that's going to continue to grow, but and even in the first game, we saw his playmaking ability. We saw his defensive prowess. The, the second play that he was in, he already got a steal. And, I mean, he started the fast break immediately. When guys understand that he's going to be running downhill at an incredible amount of speed, he's going to put such pressure on the defense. You got your Willie Colleystein. You got your Scouts who can run the floor. You got your Buddy Hills that can train Bogdan. So many different things that I think that he brings to the table. And, and he hasn't even learned how 
to really play the point guard position at this level and how to make his teammates better. Those are things that are yet to come. So if you hear the freaking excitement in my voice, Ham, <laughs> you know what's up. Oh, my goodness. I am, uh, I'm, I'm excited for him and the possibilities that he brings to the Sacramento Kings. I personally, Doug, I'm excited because I can actually see the Bay Bridge for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been in the car for 20 minutes, and we win uh, a block and a half. A block Go and a half. Maybe two blocks. Yeah, it, it's been a rough uh, transition from the work to the freeway. Um, all right, so uh, the reason I think George Hill is probably the most important addition is because I also believe that De'Aaron uh, Fox is the future, and I think he has all-world potential. I think he has a superstar potential, but I also think he needs a mentor. Yes. And I think George Hill is going to be there every step of the way trying to get him through the first year of his career. And then I don't know what happens. I don't know if De'Aaron Fox will be ready 40 games into his career to really take off, if he'll be ready after 82 games and next season will be something different. Or it might even take a little while longer after that because he does, he needs to learn the position. He needs to learn how to make his teammates better. He needs to learn how to not take plays off and where he needs to be in every offensive set. And I know Jaeger has really sort of stripped down the playbook uh, to, to work with these young players, and they're doing a lot of motion stuff as opposed to what the veteran guys are doing, which is a lot of more you know defined sets that he's had with Zebo and, and Vince and Costa uh, Kufis, and you know he's had these guys for years. So they know his playbook, but for the young guys, it's really dumbed down. And so I want him to be able to take it slow and learn the game the right way and not take shortcuts and really be ready not just to to be the best player on the team but to be more than that to be the leader to be the superstar to be the face of the franchise and so I think George Hill is a perfect guy to do this uh, because I think he he's done it in other spots I think you know he he did a good good job in Utah last year I think Indiana he did a great job of you know bringing young players along too and then he was raised in the San Antonio system. So I just think he's he's absolutely crucial to the development of Fox. And really, to me, the development of Fox is probably the key to the entire season. Yeah, when, when you talk about the ability and play sets and different things, I, I just I hope that ultimately the Kings don't rely on sets. I hope they learn how to play basketball. Coach Yeager puts them in different sets, and then out of that, they they read what's in front of them as opposed to, you know, Coach having to micromanage them along. If they are able to do that, and I, I would say that, you know, when you think about what do you want to see this year from the start of the season, Coach is probably going to have to do that. He's going to have to micromanage, make sure they are where they're supposed to be. The, the improvement I'd like to see is by the end of the year, they have the ability to read what's in front of them and react to those sort of things that are in front of them. When you talk about De'Aaron Fox and you talk about George Hill and that relationship, I would agree with you 100%. You probably couldn't have found a better mentor for him to teach him uh, the game. One thing he's going to have to to learn, and I think I saw some of that in Kentucky, is the ability to lead. Now you're going to have to lead men, and you're going to have to lead them in a way that uh, that is a a winning style, and that is something that is it's harnessed and you see it happen before your eyes. And I'm hoping that that's what we see from De'Aaron Fox going forward. Doug, it's happened. The miracle we have reached the Bay Bridge. Yay! Yay! Okay, so this is the Kings Insider podcast with James Ham and Doug Christie. The Doug Christie is joining the podcast full-time. We're having a car cast, something that we enjoy doing because the car cast kind of makes our day go by faster, um, our drive home go by faster, which it is a, a trek. Um, but, Doug, are you okay with Dave Yeager starting this season with a 30-something lineup and then bringing the young guys off the bench. Are you, you think that's the right way to do this, or is he going to have to do some blending? Um, what is it that you, you kind of hope to see early on? You know, really, I, I what I've seen out of Coach Yeager, I trust his vision, meaning that 
If he starts a 30-something lineup, in my opinion, what he's saying to the youth is, you guys aren't ready, you need to pay attention, watch how these guys work, watch how they're professional, look at the things they do. If he mixes it up, I think that that's saying, I, I need some veteran leadership maybe in that second unit. So either way he goes, I think we, we are in good hands as far as that because he's in there every day, he sees them in practice. I don't think he's going to put them in a position, he's, or I should say it this way, he's going to put them in the best position for them to be successful. So if you start a George Hill and you start a, a Zach Randolph, but then the rest of them are some semblance of youth, whether that's a Willie Colley-Stein, a Scal, a Buddy Hill, you know, those guys are second and third year players, or you got a, um, a De'Aaron Fox in there who is a, who is a rookie. That is fine because you got some veterans in there to help them along. Maybe you need some veterans in that second unit as well. Which veteran? I'm not sure of that because do you come in with energy and aggression and speed in the second unit? There are so many different ways that Coach Yeager can go. Uh, you you got to leave that one in his hands, and I, I trust he will make the right decision. Him. Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit on the, uh, the season preview show. But Dave Yeager and uh, Vlade Divac were both extended. Yes. Uh, they gave Vlade, I think it's a two-year extension. They gave Yeager, they picked up his fourth year on his contract. And for me, that really does allow Yeager to coach for the future and for the now, but to really put his young players in positions that are uncomfortable, that, that challenge them, uh, whether they fail or they succeed. To me, it's, it's really a an important part of the development of a young player, that they get that feel of being in a game with four minutes left and can you close out a playoff team? Can you hold a 12-point lead over a team that you have no business leading uh, coming into the fourth quarter? Um, and I really want to see him. I, I like I like that Jaeger's been given the opportunity to really play for two, three years down the road and, and see how this thing kind of expands and, and grows and you know organically develops as opposed to him really like hunkering down and saying okay final six minutes give me my five veterans go win the game for me please execute do this do that uh, as opposed to giving some of these young players again a taste here and there of failure of success no doubt I, I really think that the uh, the signing of Coach Yeager's fourth year, the extension of Lade Divac, speaks to the culture and the stability that we now see as the Sacramento Kings. Not that we really care about the global view, but that's part of it too, to allow people to see that, you know what, right now Sacramento Kings have a really stable environment. We are building a culture here that is going to be conducive for winning. Not right now, but for the long haul. And that is, uh, it, in my opinion, that is is absolutely incredible because the fan base that is the Sacramento Kings fan base is, in my opinion, the best in the NBA. And if you don't think that, uh, you don't really know basketball. I've seen a lot of it. I've been around a lot of different places, and it is it is awesome. Um, when you look at Vladi and you look at Coach Yeager, what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build is you got veterans that are going to come in and they are going to reinforce the things that Coach Yeager is saying on the bench. They're going to reinforce that on the floor. They are going to show the young guys how to do that. You couldn't have created a better recipe, in my opinion. You got an inside guy in Zach Randolph that are going to show some of these high flying rookies and second and third year players that there is a way to set screens to use your body to do things and you don't have to use athleticism to do it and that is important for them to get when they're young you got a wing player in Vince Carter that has been everything from a rookie to a absolute superstar now to a six man and he can show them how to understand how to play these wing players and then when you talk about the point guard position man oh man a guy you mentioned in George Hill that comes from a Popovich system that that understands not only how to win but how to be a professional how to lead a team he's done all the different things and now you got a Frank Mason you got a De'Aaron Fox that he can lead as well uh, we were just driving on the Bay Bridge we're almost to the other side of the Bay Bridge Doug and is there anything more strange than having a busload of people look over at you while you're talking on 
into a microphone while driving down the, the freeway? Yeah, that was a little weird. I was going to scream at him, say, what the heck are you looking at, man? But, uh, you know, just let, let them uh, think whatever they want. Who are these two dweebs in the car uh, holding uh, sports uh, in a, a NBC California microphones? Ah, it's all good. That's right. I think I saw a guy asleep that looked like a, <laughs> I don't think I'm sleeping on a bus and on, on the way out of the city anytime soon. Uh, Doug, when was that moment for you when you went from an amazing athlete that had a lot of skill to an actual basketball player that knew what he was doing? You know, it's kind of like that moment for a major league pitcher where he goes from being a, uh, a thrower mm-hmm. to yeah. to really a, a pitcher, someone who can meticulously pick people apart and, and give them something different and change it up and give them different looks and when was it that for you that light bulb went on you know oddly enough ham it happened to me in stages the first stage was when i got to new york because now i'm an athlete but i'm in pat riley's system and they play extremely hard and all of a sudden i was learning how to work hard as a young player then i go to toronto and the reins are taken off of me and now i'm pairing hard work with the ability to get on the court and make mistakes so by the time i got to sacramento that's really in my opinion when it all came together because now I'm pairing hard work with with understanding how to be professional, the ability to go out on the court, and now I'm understanding pick angles and cutting with purpose, and the ball will actually come to me when I cut. Heck, that's a novel freaking idea. And uh, also, uh, time and score, how to uh, how to play, how to play for your teammates, and all of that. So, in, in my opinion, it came for me when I got to Sacramento. Okay, and. How old were you, Doug, when you got to Sacramento? Uh, I want to say I was 29, 30 years old. Okay. Right in there. So, like, you're how many years in the league at that point? Uh, that must have been about eight. Okay, so my point is uh, you're a bright guy, and you played for some great coaches, mm-hmm. and it still sometimes takes that long. Uh, and I guess one other question. How old were you when you got to the league? Uh, I was 21, 22. Yeah. Okay, so you weren't a 19-year-old. No. Uh, or a 19-year-old who blew out his knees twice Yep. and had to sit out two years of his high school career coming into the league. Right. So uh, basically what I'm saying is that patience. Patience is something that I know it's been preached year in and year out in Sacramento, like hey, we're, we're trying something new, we're adding six veterans to DeMarcus Cousins, and you need to show some patience while they learn. Or, look, we just went through three coaches in five minutes. I need you to show some patience and let this thing play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is different. This is real patience. This is, you know, a team with, uh, I don't know, what is it, 77 games worth of game action between eight of its young players. We have more than in this car. Yeah, look at that. We we have <laughs> we have more game experience in this car than I, I probably uh, twelve yeah. of the Sacramento Kings combined. Well, with the exception of the veterans, I think we are we are living large. Uh, you know what? Uh, you, you say patience, Ham, and, and you mentioned. Uh, you know some things about. I think you were kind of referencing um, Harry Giles. Yeah. And yeah. well, think about this: when you when you are a young player and you are coming along, what's more important, in my opinion, is the culture and the things that you, you that you are around. When I was young, it, it was an old type of mentality of how to work, and then I went to a different set where it was really hard work all day long. And by the time I got to Sacramento, I think that there was a culture built there that was all about fundamental teaching and learning how to play the game. I think these young players are starting out in that type of environment right now because that's what I think Vlade understands and he is trying to build through Coach Yeager and his staff and that's player development, that's understanding how to play the game of basketball, not just here's a set, here's a play, you go out there and you execute this and at the end of it, whoever the play's for is going to get it. We played a different style of basketball basketball whoever's open is going to get the open shot and normally the ball will gravitate toward the best player but you're making plays and you're reading and you're understanding how to play so being that even at 19 years old he's in a better environment than I started at in 22 that'll probably fast forward a little bit for him all right so I think you know again we're going to talk about 
a lot of the Kings throughout, you know, the preseason and as we're building up towards regular season. But Harry Giles is a guy that we're probably not going to see very much of, I don't know, the whole front half of the season. I, I don't even really know how long the the prospect of him playing or not playing is. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have uh, some tape of Harry Giles. So I'm going to turn to that for a sec, and we'll let that roll, and you guys can listen to Harry Giles. Uh, this is the second time we've had Harry Giles on the podcast, and he's an, an incredible young man. I, I actually – I. He's he's just a breath of fresh air. He's a, he's got a big smile. I watched him hit a three pointer the other day and stare me down while I was taking pictures, making sure that I got his smile in there <laughs> as he was posting it up. He knew I was gonna post something uh, up onto Twitter and I don't know whatever social media. He's all these young kids are looking for social media uh, hits. So um, we're gonna run Harry Giles and we'll be right back. Oh, it's been a, a play or a situation or a term that I don't know. You know, they've been right there every time. They kind of jump on it before I even ask them. So that's been a that's been a blessing for me, just being able to just have guys there that are cool, that are willing to, you know, answer questions or just come up to me before I even ask them. You know, even George Hill, you know, we play two different positions, but, you know, he's kind of just telling me different things from his experiences, and it's been helping me out a lot. Who is it that you've kind of globbed onto with this team? I mean, right. it, could it be Scal? Could it be one right. of the other veterans? Uh, really, everybody. Uh, honestly, especially in this, you know, training camp, kind of just trying to figure out different things. You know, with different guys, kind of going through the same thing I'm going through. You have to lean on everybody, really, because it's gonna be times where Scal and Willie might be on the floor, and you have to, you know, have to go talk to Zebo or Costa and figure things out, advance. And even if they're on the floor, having to go talk to the young guys as well. Like, you know, what you think about this? You know, what you, what would you do here? And, and even at the same time, just watching them on the floor and knowing my position, that helps me out a lot too. Okay. You've, of course, you've had injury issues. I mean, that's right. that's why you were available at 20. I mean, there's no other reason for you to yeah. be available at 20. You're a top right. two or three pick, really. Um, how is your body feeling? How is it holding up through the first rigors of camp? Right. I'm feeling great. You know, everybody has that everyday soreness on your legs and your little tie, your body, your mind. But... You know, I feel great. It's not like I'm in any more pain than I would be, you know, any other time or like I have been in the past, more from just coming back from injury. But now I've been playing for like a year now, and I'm feeling great. You know, I have the same soreness everybody else has, and it's a great feeling. So I'm just excited to be back on the floor and just ready to get back to the grind. You curse the day you've ever heard the word bilateral ACL tear. Right, right, right. It is what it is. It's in the past now, you know. Can't really worry about that. you got to move forward and do what I'm doing. When is it, do you think, that you'll be fully comfortable and ready to go full bore? I mean, do you plan on being ready for day one of the season? Definitely. You know, that's my approach. You know, I'm still taking it slow, day by day. Uh, you know, I'm going to be ready when it's time for me to be ready. What is it that you can bring to this team? You guys do have a lot of young bigs. Uh, right. it, it's a crowded front court. Um, right. But are you you think you're more of a center? Do you think you're more of a power forward at the NBA level? Uh, more. I think more of a power forward. But you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I'm just gonna do what coach wants me to do. That that's first. You know, I think whatever he wants me to play. You know, about to play the center, he play the point guard. Whatever he wants me to do is what I'm gonna do. So I'm just playing my role. That's what training camp and practice is for. Trying to figure out where everybody falls into place. And for me, like I said, just doing what coach wants me to do is what I'm gonna do. You moved out here, and you've been out here for what a couple of weeks already. Right? Yeah, about a month, month and a half. Are you out here by yourself? Uh, no, I have some family with me. Okay, so you brought your family along. Yeah. How has that transition been to, like, this is a business now. This is right. your body is your shrine, and right. you, you got to keep it right. But, right. I mean, you're a professional athlete. Right. Uh, it's, it's, what I've been, it's what I've been wanting. You know, I've been traveling my whole life, so it's not, like, something I'm not used to. It's just a permanent move for me, you know, and it's, it's what I wanted. Once again, you know, I had people with me that made me feel comfortable. So the move part is, you know, it is what it is. It's not a, I'm the only one moving. And then, you know, basketball is basketball. You know, that's what I do. It's what I love. And, and it's what I want. You know, that's what I have to do every day. It's my job. And just I look at it more like my love and my passion more than a job. Because if you look at it a job, it can be more of a stress than anything. So, you know, just look at it like that. We talked about this at Media Day the other day. Right. And you don't have any hobbies outside of basketball. I mean, right. You're only 19 years old. Right. How difficult is that where you have so much you're either on the court or you have a ton of downtime. I mean, during right. the season, it won't be that way. You'll you'll have some travel time right. and stuff. But still, it can be a little bit of lonely life as a 19-year-old guy. Yeah, definitely. It is. It is. It is a bit of a lonely life. But that's why you have your teammates around to kind of, you know, even the ones that's my age to kind of go kick it with. You know, that's why we all have houses and just cars for transportation. And then you have your friends around, which you, you know, have a friend or two that live with you. You know, that's what they're there for, too, just to, you know, comfort you and make you feel comfortable and just, you know, be there for each other. You know, like how it is when you're at home, just having to be in another state now. So, for me, it's just 
I'm finding more and more to do each day. Uh, just taking it slow, and it, you know, it'll take time. There's no need to kind of trying to force it in one day or one week or one month. You know, I know it'll come with time. Have you uh, have you started playing video games and stuff against these guys? Uh, a little bit, not really. I'm not more of a I'm not much of a video game type of guy, but I'm you know I'm growing, I'm getting there. So I've been trying to just expand myself because I know I have so much time, and you know I'm, I'm gonna try to give it a try again. But I'm not gonna say I'm gonna end up playing that. Like I'm gonna <laughs> give it a try though. <laughs> How are you on social media? What's your where do you like to go and, and where do you like to have, you know, sort of interact with people? Right. Uh, I do more testing. You know, I, I'm on Twitter. Instagram. I have all three, Snapchat and stuff like that. But uh, I don't really – I wouldn't say I'm on it all the time. You know, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really tweet that much. I'm on Instagram. You know, I post a few times. It's kind of just fair interaction and just for my my life and my friends, you know. And then, you know, Snapchat is what it is. So it's more of a daily thing. Yeah, do you uh, do you kind of like stand back and watch what De'Aaron does on Twitter and like, man, I'm not getting into that mess. Right. Uh, you know, here and there, you know, I let him do what he do. You know, he's a grown man, so you know, I let him do what he do. You know, Fox is a different kind of guy. That's my man. But you know, at the same time, I just just that's his Twitter. So you know, he does what he does. You know, I, I will interact with him uh, here and there. You know, if I see something that interests me, you know, I will. But other than that, you know, it's just it's just the social media. Where do you see yourself in like three years and then five years? I and mean, what is it that you're envisioning for yourself? Right. Uh, I'm trying to be at the top of my game, you know, trying to be lower. No, you know, I think it's all in God's will. You know, it's in God's plan. You know, for me, it's just taking it day by day. I don't really like to get ahead of myself just because, you know, it can be tough. You get too far ahead of yourself and then things don't go the way you want it to. So for me, it's just, you know, taking it day by day. And I think if I work hard, you know, I keep developing the way I'm supposed to, I think I'll be where I'm supposed to be. We talked about this again on Media Day. Uh, Peja compared you to Chris Webber. Right. Uh, that's lofty praise, especially for a guy who played with Chris and knew how good Chris was. Definitely. Uh, what does that mean to you to have people kind of have that in your mind, that you could be that good of a player? Same thing, like I said, in Media Day. Just I'm, t- I'm taking the compliment well. You know, it's a great compliment. Uh, I love it. But I just got to work hard the way I can live up to it. But at the same time, it's basketball. I think if I play my game, uh, keep developing, I think it'll work out for itself. Uh, you know, no need to put too much pressure on you. Like, man, I got to do this, I got to do that. But, you know, just play basketball. You know, it's a great comparison. You know, it's an honor. And just, just got to play my game. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on again. Uh, Thank you. You know, I think you're about to embark on, like, an amazing journey. I, I'm not I appreciate quite sure that. where you're going to be, like, three months and six months. But, right. It's, but, it's good. But good luck to everything. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right, we're back. I am James Ham. Sitting next to me in the car is Mr. Doug Christie. Yeah, yeah. Doug Christie's in the house. Uh, we're almost to Ashby. We we've hit traffic again, so uh, we're in the what is this Emeryville, uh, heading into Berkeley area. Uh, I actually lived in Berkeley for a year, Doug. Really? Year, years ago. You I have long hair. You're hippie. In it? Uh, no, I didn't have long hair. My wife was uh, was a freshman at, at UC Berkeley. Uh, you hitting on a freshman, huh, ham sandwich? Uh, something like that, Doug. Okay, we're getting off the rails. That was many, many years ago. Many moons. Uh, the, the ginger was out. You had the, the hair out. Little, you tuck it behind your ear, all that. Oh, look at that. See, actually, <laughs> I was a lot more blonde when I was young there. <laughs> Don't start Doug. blushing on me, man. That'll just be too much. I, I was a lot more blonde then, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy with no hair over there. That's, Come on now. That's right. It's all good, baby. My hair ran. It was scared. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Doug, Harry Giles, again, what can you expect from a player? You've had the, the experience of having young guys that were teammates that had knee injuries and had setbacks in their career. Yep. Um, how important is it that the Kings really do – take it slow with him and teach him the game of basketball before he even really gets tested and steps on the court. Well, I think even even a greater point is the, the fact, um, Ham, that they have the ability to do that, meaning that you have a Willie Colley-Stein, you have a Scalabissier, you have a Papianis, you have some people that now you can take your time with Harry. When he is ready, you put him out there on the court. The things that I've seen in him, seen from him, excuse me, when I've been to practice have been absolutely awesome. He has a great feel for the game. He has hands like C-Webb. He jumps out of the gym. Uh, and now being able to be tutored by a guy like Zach Randolph, he can learn how to how to play the game without having to depend on his athleticism, which is going to enable him probably to get on the court 
faster and at the same time extend his career. Uh, I, I know the Kings uh, training staff with uh, Pete Youngman and Manny and everybody is going to make sure that he is he's ready to go. And by the time he touches the court, you know, now he will have to stay healthy. That is going to be something that affects everyone's career. So regardless of two knee surgeries or whatever it is, uh, we, we've seen uh, MVP and Russell Westbrook have a couple knee surgeries when uh, Beverly jumped into his knee and he was able to come back. But you got to make sure that you are 100%. He played high school basketball, six games in college, and here he is ready for 88 to uh, however many games the Kings are going to have to play in a year. So there's going to be an adjustment period. Uh, it won't come, uh, you know, his, his time will come when the training staff, Coach Yeager, and everyone knows that he's ready to go. Yeah, he's probably going to spend some time with, with Derek Martin up in Reno. Uh, I think, but even that, I think, is a little ways away. Uh, he has been practicing every day, which shows you that he can actually compete. I've, I've watched him run line drills. I've watched him do all of the work that the other players are doing. Um, but it, it's one of those things where you're always going to err on the side of caution. They think yes. they have something special. They, yeah. they do. They think he's a very, very special player. I mean, we heard Peja Stoyakovich compare him to Chris Weber right. uh, on, on a previous podcast, and I, I don't think that that's outlandish. Just his feel for the game, his athleticism, it's just absolutely crazy. And I think even when Weber was a young player, he could dribble, he could handle the ball. But what we've seen is a progression of ball handlers uh, for big men. It's just maybe cr- – Chris was one of the first no guys doubt. his size that handled the ball like that. But, you know, DeMarcus Cousins was an incredible ball handler. He was a better ball handler than Weber mm-hmm. by a long shot. And you're seeing the progression of young kids learning how to, you know, to dribble, to do all these things. We just got cut off by a bus, right, before we got to Berkeley, Doug. Uh, yeah. I guess is, is that the bus's fault or it, is that your fault? It's not. He's not even in service, Doug. Hey, he's, I'm just. Uh, he's well. He's trying <laughs> to get home, man. He's got grits on the stove for God's sakes. There it you is. know what? Uh, I will say this about Harry Giles. If Harry Giles didn't get hurt, he would have been the number one pick, hands down. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't I think mean, it's even. There's close. and this is one of the better drafts. There is that type of talent in him. Yeah, this is one of the better drafts that we've seen in a long, long, long time. I mean. You, you start seeing the promos already. The NBA is pumping this draft class up to be the best thing since 2003. And you've got, you know, four or five guys at the top, maybe six guys at the top that can be stars. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's what everyone's looking at. And it, you're telling us, and something I completely agree with, that Harry Giles probably would have been the, the number one pick in the draft. Uh, I mean, just go and YouTube the kid when he was coming out of high school and watch some of the moves and the things that he was able to do. And it's not that he can't do that now. It's that in his mind he has to learn how to trust his body again. He has to continue to work on his jump shot, on his passing, on his pivots, on all the different things, and learn how to leverage his body under the basket. There's a lot of stuff he has to learn. But most times, especially now when you're drafting a young player, it's it's based on potential, and boy, oh boy, his potential is out of this world. Okay, so we're not going to talk the whole way home. That would be a really, really long car cast. Yeah. Uh, and the traffic has not been kind to us, so luckily we've been able to drive at five miles an hour with you know people looking at us, talking into microphones all over the place. Um, but Doug, uh, Bogdan, Bogdan, Bogey. That that's so people should know is his name is Bogdan, not Bogdan. Uh, and he likes to go by bogey, and he bogey. has. That's, he, that, that's one over par. We don't want that. Yeah, that's true. Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bog means God, to God. Bogdan Bogdan. That would be the two God, it, as in two guard, two oh, God. You see how I is. did that? Oh, you rolled it right in. Okay. Really, that that was impressive, Doug. Thank you very much. Sir. <laughs> uh, Bogdanovich, we get to see a little bit of him in the opener. And, Doug, what I loved was that they brought him in first. He was the first king off the bench. Mm-hmm. He got a big ovation. He was absolutely shocked by the big ovation. I talked to him in the locker room after the game. Uh, all smiles, just so happy to finally make his NBA debut. Um, but when they brought him in the game, they brought him in with De'Aaron Fox right afterwards and then Buddy Hield right afterwards. Mm-hmm. And Bogdan run the, ran the point with those two flanking him. And to me, that was really fun to watch because 
he instantly started setting people up, and he had the hockey assist, like what we've talked about. You know, the pass to the he broke the defense down, hit the corner, the corner guy hit the elbow guy, the elbow guy buried the three. Um, really good feel for the game. His numbers don't jump off the page, but the Kings are going to take it easy with him all the way through preseason. That might even be one of the last times we see him in preseason. Uh, just because he's been playing in Europe all the way up until right now. Um, what were your initial impressions on him? Because for me, I love his game. I love the fact that they, the Kings have another legitimate playmaker who can make his teammates better. And it's, I think it's something that they've been lacking over the last few years, that position. Well, I would say he is probably, maybe if I don't say the best, probably right up there with the, the Kings playmakers. I, I mean, this is a guy who's played at a, in a European championship. That's an extremely high level. He's played a high level of basketball for a number of years, and he's been highly productive at it. Watching the fact that he, he understands how to win. It's not, that's why you say his numbers don't jump off because he's not worried about his numbers. What he's worried about is playing the game the right way. So w when he makes a pass that is like the hook pass and I just looked down at Paige and he looked up at me and we started smiling because I'm saying to myself, that is great basketball. He, he broke, it, broke the defense down and he began the chain of reactions that led to the bucket that was in the corner. Uh, his ability to make plays, his ability to bring the ball up to court, knock down shots you, you really haven't seen that part of his game unless you've watched practice or seen him online he can knock down shots at a really high clip uh, you know defensively yeah he's gonna have to get the speed of the game and a lot of different things but he understands team basketball and I, I just like that he is a part of the Sacramento Kings and I, I think that that part of his game is going to speak volumes to the teammates because he's one of those guys you're like yeah yeah I like to play with him yeah, and I've watched him in practice. Man, he's dead eye. He knocks down three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer. I think I had one video of him shooting, knocking down 14 straight. We're passing Berkeley right now, and there's a hashtag ban meat in Berkeley. I, really? Hey. They're trying to ban meat in Berkeley? That's weird. Uh, so, Doug, I think he brings experience and we've talked about other guys having experience like Frank Mason and Justin Jackson. Mm -hmm. But this is different. This is not only, I mean, his international play has been incredible. I mean, he took Serbia to a silver medal. Yes. I mean, did he play well against Team USA? No. Uh, but that doesn't matter. He led a team in a tournament where, you know, France and Spain, some of these teams just put up incredible rosters filled with NBA players. And he brought his team all the way to the silver medal. So I think experience uh, and also having sort of his heroes in the house really yeah. does help him. Oh, no, no doubt. When, when you think about Bogdan, the fact that he has played at a professional level, that means that he, he was playing for money, meaning that there's a – He's playing against guys who are feeding their families, and, and a lot of diff there's a there's a difference. College basketball is one thing, but when you start playing professional basketball, there's a lot on the line, and he's been in those moments already. Even though you know he, he's a young younger player, he comes to the NBA, and he's you know a little older than Frank, two years I think he's 24, but he comes with a boatload of championship experience. Now it's not NBA championship, but the the pressure in those situations in those places. Uh, is equatable and when I watch him play I just I love watching good basketball meaning a guy knows how to pass he knows how to cut he knows how to screen he knows how to make his teammates better and play for his teammates and that's what I see when I watch Bogdan that's right all right so I think that's going to do it for this edition of the uh, Sacramento Kings Kings Insider the NBC Sports Kings Insider podcast uh, we're going to touch base on a couple of things here um, the first Official game on NBC Sports California, I think, is Monday preseason game against the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I don't think we have pre- and post-game show, strangely enough, on that show. Oh, man. Oh, man. So uh, Jim Cosmore is going to be able to stay down in the Bay Area and not come up and visit us. But uh, Doug and I will be on with Jim Cosmore all season, covering the Sacramento Kings like we have the last couple of years. It should be a fun season of young players learning how to play basketball. Uh, again, never too high, never too low. This is a an experiment, an experiment uh, that 
the Kings are hoping goes extremely well, um, but you're going to have to be patient and let this thing play out. Uh, Doug, I, I think Kings fans are going to love that you're on the podcast this year. Uh, this is going to be absolutely a blast every single week. Um, and we're going to do a few things differently. So if you have questions for us, you know, send something to me or Doug at our, our Twitter accounts. The Doug Christie. The, at the Doug Christie. And at James underscore ham MBCS. That's a mouthful. Uh, but send us questions, and we will get to your questions every week. Not all of them, but we'll try to get to, I don't know, three or four questions that Kings fans are really intrigued by. And uh, we're going to keep doing this thing, man. CarCast, uh, I don't know. We've got some other ideas, right? Yeah, I'm ready to go, man. I'm excited. First of all, I'm excited for the season, and we get to bring it to the Kings fans that uh, they love this stuff. They love hearing about their team, and I, that's what I love because watching them, seeing them uh, out in the community, they are super excited. I'm super excited. You know what I say. Holla back. Go Kings! The Doug always finishes all the podcasts with Go Kings. Come on. No other way to finish it, baby. All right. So special thanks to Dave Yeager for joining us on the podcast. We're going to keep bringing you guests. We're going to keep bringing you Doug Christie. <laughs> for Doug Christie, I am James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to the NBC Sports California Kings Insider Podcast. See you next week.